Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, as always, is Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing, man? I mean, it is good to be back and to talk about some soccer for once. Um, yeah, I mean, just excited to be to actually see LFC on the field um, and ready for the rest of the season now. Yeah, I, it's it's been a little bit tough to record consistently. Um, the last match, obviously, that we did was uh, when LAFC lost to Tigres. And then from there, you know, we've kind of been off and on. We talked about it in the last episode about me uh, being too busy with school and running the club soccer team here in town and work. And um, and now it's good to kind of be forced back into it um, and back into a rhythm. Uh, as we know, Austin FC came to L.A. to begin their, their MLS account, and they lost 2-0 to LAFC. Um, anytime you get multiple goals and a clean sheet, it's a good day. Um, still looks like some, there's some cobwebs and stuff on, on LAFC's part, but overall a, a rather positive performance. Josh, what did, what were your main takeaways from the beginning? I mean, I think the first thing we can talk about is the weird Carlos fellow substitution. Um, you know, obviously from a physical therapy standpoint, when you see what, what happened, you know, it looked like you went to you know, for an outstretched ball, got kind of got caught in a weird position. Um, and immediately I was thinking potentially like a quad strain. Um, you know, again, in quad strains vary from grade one to three, right? One being just a minor, you know, minor strain, grade three being a full tear. And so when they called the trainer over, looked like he just gave him, you know, they just wanted to work something out. Maybe he just felt like, you know, just a little tweak there. And looked like he was ready to go, but by the time everything had, you know, the dust had settled, Apoku was already in the game. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in hindsight, right, that was the substitution that won the game for us. Um, But, (laughs) right, in, in, you know, but obviously from, you know, in all seriousness, when you think about it, I'm actually okay with the substitution just given his injury history over the last couple of years, right, whether it was the hamstring um, during the Galaxy game two years ago, like right before the playoffs, and right. then um, last year with his MCL, you know, the last thing you want is for, you know, one of these little quad, you know, these little muscle injuries to just start get you on a weird compensation. And the next thing you know, you're setting yourself up for a bigger injury. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I was happy to see him come off should there have actually been anything going on. You know, obviously he's not happy, you know, entering, you know, hopefully you know, him trying to come back for after being out for so long last year and looking to start his account off on on the right foot but you know like i said at i'm i'm not angry about him coming off at that point yeah and i mean i think bob kind of cleared it all up and jumped on the grenade there saying you know admitting like oh it was a bit of a miscommunication i kind of jumped the gun on on just subbing him in you know subbing him off right away rather than trying to figure out what was actually what he actually needed which it sounds like he just needed a little bit of treatment maybe a stretch real quick but like you said um there's no shame in protecting, uh, arguably the MVP favorite, right? <laughs> when uh, when you're just getting started against an expansion side, um, obviously LAFC was also missing Diego Rossi. Um, Josh, did you hear anything about what went into that failed exam? Um, from what it sounded like, um, and this was coming from. Um... 110 football Vince and Connor over there were discussing it after the game and it looks like he had picked up a um, a knock in training the day before um, and they went to go test it out just didn't feel right and it being likely it being game number one um, and you have Carlos Vela on the field or at least assuming at that point that you had him on the field there wasn't a huge need to push him and so it's just one of those things where you hold him out you know given the circumstances um, you know 30 minutes into the game, we're probably wishing they would have pushed it a little bit more considering Carlos Vela came off in that weird substitution. But, and again, it's one of those things where, you know, you deal with it and we came out okay on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it was it odd to see him, um, out of the 18 sure, but, um, ultimately you understand, uh, this is a guy that, uh, clearly, uh, the golden boot winner from last year, He's clearly somebody that LAFC wants to sell on in the next year as well. So keeping him healthy and and available is 
arguably more important than anybody else. I mean, Vela, obviously, because like we just said, he's the MVP candidate, right? Um, but I, I think if LAFC wants to continue making roster moves, they're going to, they're going to need to be moving Diego Rossi here pretty soon. Um, aside from all that, I mean, rather positive performances all around. Um, Josh, do you have like a standout or somebody that surprised you with the, either the progress that they made or the fit that they were in the system this year? Or I mean, what, I think, I think heading into this game, I think one of the questions was, you know, how, what were they going to do with the spot now left vacant by Brian Rodriguez heading to Spain? And I think those questions were answered in the form of Corey Baird. Um, mm. You know, obviously, we when we heard about the news, I think we, I don't remember if we talked about it on the pod, but I know we, we had talked about it. And I think the thing we were, we were talking, we had discussed was, you know, he's a, you know, an MLS guy. He's going to be around for a while. Um, and he does a lot of good things, right? Not going to blow you out of the water. But I think the one thing that I that you noticed was, I mean, his movement is exactly is is the perfect complement to the two forwards that we already have. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that was kind of the issue at times with Rodriguez. Um, and it's like with the way that Vela plays, you know, you there wasn't since Diamande has left, there hasn't been someone that's made those runs that are complementary to what Carlos wants to do, which is get the ball, cut inside, get the ball at his feet, right? And either look to distribute or to take a shot himself, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, or maybe play a, a one two with someone, you know, as they make that move into the, you know, as they make that move into the box. Um, last year, you just didn't see that same movement from from when Rodriguez there, because I think Rodriguez is a guy that likes the ball at his feet as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Rosie's the kind of the only guy that's making that that diagonal run, you know, kind of in the form of like a, a Mo Salah or or I'm trying to think somewhere else who makes in the in the past maybe how um the way that Neymar would run off of Messi. Right. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of what you're looking for from that one side. But you need that other complementary piece from that third forward, you know, and and again, it's the way that Suarez moves. It's the way that Aguero moves, where you're going to make that either you're going to make the run off the off the off the last shoulder, or you're going to make that diagonal run to make space so that Bella can operate underneath. And you see Baird just start to do all those little things, you know, because um, Vela, I think his his you'll I think when I looked at some of the pass maps and some of the things, he's generally receiving the ball even when he's in the middle of the field. It's right in the middle or towards that right-hand side of the field, right? He doesn't ever really mm-hmm. drift over to the other side unless Bob purposefully switches them. But generally, it's him and Rosie are kind of tucked in together on that right-hand side, and then you – or him and Rodriguez would be tucked in together on that right-hand side, and then Rosie kind of – no, wait. Rodriguez was on the left last year, huh? Rodriguez would play on the left. And then Rosie – all three the- were starting. Then you would have Rosie on the left with Rodriguez on the right and – Vela through the in, middle. In the middle. Yeah. yeah. So I think the one, you know, you see Vela and the other forward essentially working together off that right hand side and towards the center with the left side a little bit more isolated because that's the one that makes that diagonal run as the ball's cut in towards um towards the middle of the field. And so what had happened at times, and it's kind of hasn't been there since Christian Ramirez was there, was often that run would be, I think, too vertical and you get you lack the space. And instead, what you get now with Baird and what Ramirez actually did was, and I think Orania did it fairly well as well, is you get a diagonal run from center towards the right or, you know, and that now opens up. It's just the spacing just feels better, right? Um, and and more, more space is created so that way you don't get that congestion and have usually like the center defensive mid and the center back being able to collapse down on, on Vela as he cuts in towards the middle of the park. Yeah. One thing that I, that I noticed with Baird aside. So, I mean, the first thing I noticed was how active he was in defending and how, how high and how willing he was, he was to press, uh, to press Austin when they had possession of the ball. Um, but also it felt like, when he would switch wings or when he would come into the middle, it felt more natural. You mentioned, you know, if Bob would have them switch sides or if it's in the past always seemed like a conscious decision and granted we're only one game into it. So who knows what it'll look like when, when Rossi's there, but 
uh, it felt like it was like a very natural, like he would realize that Vela was coming in, you know, early in the game, for example, it seemed like he was reading where that space was a little bit more efficiently than, uh, than Rodriguez would or Musovsky or whoever else is, you know, as, as a part of those, those attacking three. Um, Rodriguez to me, we've talked about this before, but he, he's a left midfielder or a left winger. And he has the misfortune of playing behind Diego Rossi, who's a better left winger than he is to be, to be totally honest. Um, he was relegated to the right wing a lot last year. And I don't think he's very effective. I especially don't think he's effective on the right wing when you have Vela there, who is looking to link up with the midfield and kind of create underneath because Rodriguez is most dangerous when he cuts in from the right underneath. And we saw that uh, with some of his assists last year. That's If he's on the right wing, he's not looking to get in behind. What he's trying to do is cut underneath and play make. Um, where when you see him with, with Uruguay, uh, he's on the left wing and he's kind of just the the counterattacking guy, right? Cause he's so big and fast and powerful. Um, and when he's open, he can finish. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I mean, Rodriguez isn't even with the team right now, so that's enough about him. But I, I really did like Baird's play. I thought him coming into the midfield, um, and helping possess was, was good. It was serviceable. Uh, again, as you mentioned, he's not, he's not going to be a world beater in possession. He didn't come from Barcelona. Um, you know, he's, he's a very, uh, he's a kind of like an MLS journeyman player, but the things that he does well are complementary to what Vela and Rossi are doing. Right. So for me, uh, Bob used him more effectively than Burhalter ever did, which isn't saying much. Burhalter used him uh, and I was I was really critical of him specifically, of Baird specifically with the national team. Uh, Burhalter, when he was experimenting with his inverted fullbacks, was playing these wingers that would essentially just keep their heels on the line, on the touchline, and Baird was just this useless decoy. Um, but when he's able to be involved in the game and interpret space and charge into the press, he was he was pretty effective. So I'm excited to see him again. To me, I would love to see him at the nine with Vela on, on the right and Rossi on the left. Um, I feel like that probably puts Vela and Rossi in their best positions, and you're going to get a lot of hard running from from Baird, who, as we can see, is a decent finisher. So uh, that's more than we can say about a lot of the number nines we've played with in the last year and a half. Yeah, I, mean, I talked to Pablo um, from Dale Black and Gold, and he because he had had he was at one of the preseason games um, when the three of them had played together, and he noted mm-hmm. that it was you know Vela had started through the middle, you know, like at least on paper, but generally him and Bear were working together off of the middle and the right hand side for the majority okay. of the game, and then again they're going to swap every now and it seems like. They'll have Baird and Rosie swap. So Baird, Rosie's playing through the middle. Maybe if they're just trying to get on, you know, it's a situation where you want to just stretch the field a little bit more. You'll have Rosie just kind of be that free runner from the nine um, and then Vela on the right hand side. So I, it seems like that's kind of, um, you know, like again, on paper, like, you know, Vince always mentioned, right? The the formation that and the thing that you see, the lineup is just a starting point and, Generally, everything's going right, to shift as right. the game goes on. So it seems like the 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 plan again is to kind of on paper, Vela will play through the middle, Baird off the you know off the right, and then Rossi on the left, or you know, or flipped. And but by the time the game starts, they're all moving around and changing yeah. depending on the situation. I just for me, it's kind of perplexing. You have the the past two Golden Boot winners, Carlos on the right wing and Diego on the left wing. Uh, and it's still this idea of, no, 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 no. We're playing Carlos in the wrong position. He needs to play. He needs to play as a center forward, right? Even though he's going to, he's going to float around and it's just a starting position. Uh, he's going to have the chance to move around and Corey Baird will run off of him uh, appropriately. It just, to me, it's just, that's a bizarre 
uh, utilization of personnel. But again, as we always say, we're just two guys with microphones, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I'm assuming that, again, like like most most sports and most situations, right, the, the tactics are going to change based on what, you know, whatever the other team is showing, right? So if maybe if they're yeah, playing... Yeah you know, a higher line or they're, you know, or maybe the, the center, you know, the defensive midfielder is sticking closer to, Ve- to Vela, then you run Rossi basically right in between the two of them and, and cause them problems when so Vela mm-hmm. has more room to operate. So, yeah, my guess is it's just going to, you know, at least you have a guy like Baird who does a little bit more than what Rodriguez did, um, you know, just has, a, it seems to have a little bit more there at least for what they want to be able to do, right? Maybe right. in the grand scheme of things, Rodriguez has more more long-term potential, but in terms of what they need for this particular moment in terms of the offense, Baird seems to be, you know, an excellent fit. Yeah, yeah. It's like we said, right? He's complimentary to what the the other two are going to try and do, which is all that you can ask for. We've talked about it several times about how Christian Ramirez, um, when he was kind of the starter when Dio was injured a couple of years ago, um, how that was like the team's best stretch ever, right? And Ramirez wasn't scoring all that much. He was missing sitters left and right to the point where we're all just tearing our hair out. Um, but still, the team was winning every time they stepped onto the field. So uh, I think I think Corey Baird's going to give you a lot of that same stuff. Um, anybody else that you want to shout out here, Josh? I mean, I, you can't leave out Opoku's hustle yeah. and the things that he does on the field. I mean, I, you know, obviously with Vela coming out of the game, right? You bring him in and you're like, okay, where, where, what is, what are we going to get from this? And when he didn't square that ball at the end of the first half, I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not going to end well. But at the same time, he just finds himself in good positions, right? And he's not a guy that the ball sticks to his feet, the kind of the way that Latif does as a winger where he's going to dribble at people. He tends to kind of just drift into drift into the right space and his hustle just bothers people and causes turnovers um and so you know it it's it's the the more complimentary attacking version of latif blessing if you will Mm -hmm. right and in terms of the press man like when him and latif are on the field at the same time it just seems like a nightmare for him and latif and cifuentes right yeah i mean for me that was the sub that that just broke them and it, it happened late right Cifuentes comes on for for Mark Anthony K, who I thought was decent, at least you know defending and picking up uh, runners and you know pressing pressing the ball carrier. Um, but once Cifuentes came on, it was like that that was it. They had broken, uh, they had broken Austin FC at that point. Yeah, those three just don't give you room to breathe, right? No. In the way that they play, it's suffocating. Yeah, right. And and when you you we look at that last goal. It's just all effort from those from those guys, right? That causes yeah. that springs yeah. that goal. So, Apoku forces the like the uh, miscontrolled ball, and then picks it up and dishes to Cifuentes, who's running hard at goal, right? And I mean, it's a little it's a little tap in. Um, yeah, I mean, those are things that, as much as you love to see uh Baird get on the score sheet and everything that's the those are the kind of goals that's an LAFC goal right you break them with the counter press and you you wind up with a tapping because they're so disorganized at that point um I thought I thought Latif's performance was really good one thing that I noted is his passing vision at least in this match now uh, seems a lot better than last year um I'm not. I'm not calling him Iniesta just yet. <laughs> we'll reserve that judgment for after a few more matches. But to me, he looks improved as a passer, especially in terms of vision. He played several balls through that Musovski wasn't able to get on the end of, or guys just plain weren't ready for. But they were still the right ball, well weighted. Um, so if that's something that, that Latif Blessing has added to his arsenal. And you're now going to see Latif and Cifuentes on the field in that midfield a lot together. I think teams are going to have an absolute nightmare of a time trying to one possess the ball and two def- defend against uh, you know two eights or tens uh, that are so active. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it puts it puts the coaching staff in a in an interesting position because you know you have a guy like you know Mark Anthony K that that does a lot of good things, right? Like in terms mm-hmm. of this last game, like you know he's he's your shuttler, you know, in 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 the Typically, right, you see that out of four two three one, but in the four three three, you have Atwesta as as the controller from the base, but but K is really the guy that transitions it from you know it's a ball from Atwesta to his feet, and then he's immediately looking up trying to find that next runner um, into into space. But if you can get that from Latif and Sifuentes, I it almost makes you know like those two have so much upside. That I I wonder what the long term looks like with, you know, who the, is it now? K that ends up losing his starting position because again now you can just bring, you know, the 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 heat at all times and not lose anything from a passing you know from a passing perspective um, when you when he comes when K comes off the field. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the way that LAFC can can press. Again, if we go back to Baird through the middle with Sifuentes and and Blessing behind him, um, yikes! I mean that that is an active, you know, front trio to be chasing down balls and picking up the second and third man uh, when teams are trying to build out on you. And I think I think it will be absolutely smothering to try and to try and possess against LAFC if that's the case. And again, we've seen we've seen it work really well with Mark Anthony Kay, who, again, as we always say, is a good, you know, above average uh, MLS midfielder. Um, our complaints have always been, you know, when it go when when you need a little extra something, it's not going to be there, and that's okay because he's an MLS starter. Like that's that's what he is, right? And borderline um, all star for that matter, right? I mean, he yeah, wasn't absolutely. All-star. He's going to have years where he is absolutely an all-star and years where he's, you know, kind of more of a rotational starter. I, I would, I 100% anticipate that. And he's going to be a starter on almost any MLS team that he goes to because he's, he's got pretty good quality. Um, but when you see a guy like uh, Sifuentes breaking through and a guy like Latif apparently adding something in the offseason, then that midfield becomes really crowded with a guy like Edward Atuesta back there as well. So uh, like you said, it's an interesting dilemma for the coaches to be in. It's a good one to have because you still have guys like Janela and Bryce Duke uh, who can still come in and, and spot fill as well. So um, uh, yeah, all, all positive signs. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, Josh, were the fullbacks in this one. Diego Palacios, I felt spent a ton of time in the attacking third looked dangerous, looked fast. I mean, I, I loved everything I saw from him. Tristan Blackman, again, I think it's going to be difficult for Moon to, to break into this um, squad because Blackman, again, looks really solid, and that back line looks impregnable in its current constitution, which is how it looked you know, through all of CCL except for uh, in the final match when Edward Atuesta wasn't there to screen for them, right? Um, so I, I loved what I saw from the fullbacks and from the entire back line as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what with Blackman back there, you have so much versatility because you can you he's given he's shown the ability to be able to push the ball up the pitch, right, in a mm-hmm. more attacking fashion, but through the center and down the wing as well, for sure. And and also if you just decide that you want. You know, to to drop an extra back in there and have three center backs, he's the perfect guy to do it, right? Yeah. So you go into almost that the the three three at the back that everyone's been calling for, but it's not really three at the back. It's just that him coming in a little bit tighter, which is what Beta Shore would do at times, right? Yeah. His Beta tucks in next to next to the other center backs, and then kind of lets Latif get out up and higher and a little bit wider on on the field, um, and. And at least also allows Atuesta to get further up the pitch, which you know, which is always a good right, sign when right. he's able to get attacking. So I think that's what you actually saw in this past game, right? Especially yeah, there were a couple times where he definitely 
you know, he would get forward and attack and be involved in the, in the counter press. But there were also times where, you know, and I don't, I don't know what the cues are for this yet. Um, I'll have to watch a few more matches to try and pick up on it. But there are other times where he would drop into the back three. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I think you saw it more after Vela came off, especially because again, now Atuesta mm-hmm. is yeah. probably, you know, he's your best creator right at that point when mm-hmm. with, with Vela coming off. And so, you, you know, I think at that point, now you have Blackman tucking in a little bit more and Atuesta is just, you know, he's just hovering around, you know, that, you know, just outside the 18, you know, and then trying to do different things, you know, as opposed to usually you see him at the base of the, at the base of the midfield trio. And then is this in a little bit more distributing, pushing the ball at the Palacios out wide or, or out to the Blackman for that matter. But I think, like I said, towards the, the second half, um, when you saw Austin, you know, kind of scare us a little bit on the counter, right? You you kind of have Blackman tuck in a little bit and then push up at Twesta. And again, you're a little less worried about that ball over the top now because you do have essentially a third center back sitting a little bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm, again, I'm thrilled with this back, this back line. I'm excited to see what Moon can bring to the team. But as I said, it's going to... I think it's going to be tough for him to break in initially uh, until until matches start piling up on each other. Hopefully, LFC ends up in the in the Open Cup, obviously, and uh, and it becomes more of a conversation where Blackman is probably taking the Open Cup matches because uh, he's an American, right? Um, and then you see Moon in some of the league play uh, as he is an international player. Um, all right, well. Uh, I feel like, I mean, that pretty well covers it. We we have some questions about goalkeeper, so we can probably leave it at that. Um, do we want to talk about anything else? No, I mean, I think the 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 big the biggest aspects of the match we kind of covered. I think the the midfield is going to kind of be the thing that's going to be in the most flux as the season goes on. But I think given the how how the schedule is compacted, I think it's actually going to work into our favor to have that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get to the questions here. Sorry. I should have had Twitter up and running for this already. Um, It's coming everybody. I know this, this is making for great radio content. All right. So the first one, Josh, is from Lionel Hutz at From Cheap Seat. Looking forward to this pod. Thank you. Really interested to hear your take on Kay's performance. I was not thrilled with what I saw. Plus, am I wrong to think Opoku can be a star? I loved him in CCL and thought he had a big impact off the bench. Josh, I'll let you take a swing at whichever part you prefer. I mean, I actually didn't think Kay had a bad game. I think obviously he... There's a couple of times where he, his his touch is a bit heavy, but I thought he actually was pretty good as a distributor. Like I said, he he was playing in that shuttler role, kind of pushing the ball and kind of connecting the um, connecting the the pass from offense or connecting the defense and moving into the offense. Because I think you didn't see those big switches out to the outside the same way that you normally would, where you have Atuesta picking up the ball from that from the from the defenders and then hitting that diagonal out to the, out to the fullbacks pushing high. But again, a lot it's because Vela came out. So you don't have, you didn't see Blackman getting up as, you know, up and down the wing nearly as much in the second half. Um, and again, it's a little bit of a, a tactical thing, but I think he actually, a lot of times was the deepest line midfielder and, you know, his, his physical presence definitely, I think is, is crucial to this team at times because it, in a team that's kind of lacking some of that size, it helps to have a guy who can get up and, and make a difference in, you know, in with in the aerial duels. Um, in regards to Apoku, I, I, I got to see more. Um, I think he's got, he's shown a lot, you know, like I said, I think his, his stature, he doesn't get pushed off the ball. He's physical um, in, in the press. He's excellent. Uh, I just, his decision-making you know, again, was 50, we have two instances in terms of chances created. The first one, you know, he he didn't square a ball and to an open guy and probably missed out on an easy goal. And the second one, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. So, you know, yeah. right now we have about fifty percent show that he 
you know, that he's not not making good decisions than the other fifty percent he made the right one. So we'll see what it what the rest of the season brings. Yeah, I mean, I, the easy comparison for uh, is you know because of of size and his activity rate is Latif Blessing, right? Uh, and the position that they play. Uh, but he's a, he's a young player, right? He's gonna those decisions are eventually going to sharpen and become uh, consistently better. Um, one thing I want to talk about with Opoku specifically is uh, pay attention to where he lines up when LAFC have a corner on the uh, a corner kick on the left wing. He's still lining up off the back post, uh, ready to score another worldie like he did in CCL. Um, and they, I mean, they served the ball straight to him again, uh, in this match. So that's something that LAFC is looking to hit on again. So it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it tried a couple more times and if he nabs the goal by doing so. Um, I agree with, with your take on K. Um, I, I wasn't a fan. I, to me, his passing wasn't as sharp as it needed to be. And it could be because now, you know, if Latif really has sorted out his passing issues, then K's are going to stick out more and more as he's in a midfield with Blessing, who is apparently a better passer, and Atuesta, who is a fantastic passer. Um, I felt like some of them were late, and a lot of them were getting intercepted as a result. Um, but that, again, this is this is one performance. It could be that, you know, that's... I don't remember where Matt Beasler was. Was he playing left center back or right center back for, for Austin? I think he was on the right, but I'm okay. So that could be, you know, that's the guy that Kay's trying to beat with his passes. Um, so that, I mean, that could be part of it. And the other thing I want to mention is Alexander ring played a great game. He's a good, a really, really solid MLS midfielder. Um, and so, I mean, anybody's going to have a hard time in MLS trying to get through, a guy like Matt Beasler and Alexander Ring. So if that was the case, I, that could be the excuse on on why K struggled with his passing. Um, yeah, I mean, and again, I will say, for as much as I think Austin FC had talked about how they wanted like a more flowing midfield that rotates in the way that LAFCs does, they just kind of stuck. They were at home the whole time, and Ring and you know basically with Ring and I think Pereira is the other midfielder. Um, yeah that they're super defensive and ring, you know, like I said, is, has, and is one of the best sixes in the league. Um, and so, you know, like I said, it will eat, to be able to play through at times is going to look not as good um, compared to when you're playing other teams. Yeah. All right. Next one, Brian at BR heat. Oh six. What player do you think, uh, what player, sorry, I'm going to start this one over. What player do you all think will have a breakout season and who will struggle? Uh, do you want to take first swing at this one, Josh? Um, I'm going to go with Corey Baird as my breakout player, just because I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were disappointed when we didn't sign for Joe Guerrero um, with, with whatever DP money we don't have. Um, but I think he's a guy that just kind of fits exactly what they want to do. And, it has the type of flexibility that Bob absolutely adores. So I think they're going to put him in a lot of good positions to succeed. And I think he has the attributes to, to really, you know, make something of this opportunity. The way that we've seen yeah. from a lot of guys who have been somewhat journeymen in other places. And then all of a sudden they come to LAFC and just, you know, seem to just fit right in and, and, and make something of themselves. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about two of them, right? Right. Uh, Blessing and K. I mean, K obviously came from USL, but um, Blessing had just been kind of hanging around at SKC for a while. Um, and now a position change and a system change. And he's consistently talked about as one of the best midfielders in, in the league. Yeah, man. Like I said, I think there's a lot there. You know, another guy, you know, that potentially, I think, I think we, we after CCL, we're, we're high on on Palacios and, and Mario. Um, mm-hmm. Mario, I think, is definitely probably, you know, will probably, but the partnership of Mario and, and Segura should kind of provide to be one of the best in the league if everything goes Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Anybody you think is going to struggle? I mean, I think we talked about what 
about the midfield and how K seems to be the odd man out. But again, I mean, he's also a he's also an all star in this league, so it wouldn't be surprised me if he took another leap as well. Um, yeah, you know, the I wonder, I do wonder, um, you know, what what kind of rotations we're going to see if if the as we start to play different style teams, right? Obviously, Austin coming out, they wanted to play. They want they had played a, a really open game, and it was fun. And, and that's that's the type of team that we love seeing LAC play in that because it's actually entertaining to watch. But mm-hmm. you know, we are going to play against you know a team like you know what is it? The, what's the old coach of DC Ben Olsen, right? Where yeah. they just basically put twelve, you know, eleven in front of the ball in front of the goal, and and then just kick the ball. But you know, you're just playing kickball. Uh-oh. Yeah, or the, you know, the next time you see Adrian Heath and his his five three two formation that he played against us when they got the two nil win, right? From yeah, in yeah in Minnesota, and so absolutely. So that that's obviously where you know again I think a K actually plays better, um, and where Latif has struggled, and so that that's where I'm actually more interested in those two and how they make adjustments and how their games have grown against those teams that now they've struggled a little bit more against. So with, you know, K, for example, the game that he, he had struggled in is the galaxy game, right? He just never seemed to be able to take control of the midfield. I think Corona ran circles around him at times last year. Yeah. Um, you know, and Joe Corona is not a guy that is super high on my list as a good, you know, as a, amazing MLS midfielder, but, right, right. um, you know, and then Latif, you know, a lot of times, you know, you just see him as he would drop deeper and make kind of silly passes. Does he take care of the ball a little bit better? Or do you see him do better things in the final third when the game opens up a little bit more? And those are the things that we need to see from him. Right? it's just being a little bit more into control and making the right pass at the right time, as opposed to the ball kind of just being stuck to his foot. Yeah. All right. So my answer is here. I don't know if it really counts as a breakout season. I'm going with Tristan Blackman um, because last year you saw him in this weird limbo. Is he a center back? Is he a right back? What's going on? What position is he going to play? Um, And I think this season with Mario there, it answers all your questions. He's a, he's a right back. Yeah. And he might come in and spot fill you um, if he has to at center back in which case he'd be your third center back. But I think he is going to have a stranglehold on that position throughout the year. Um, And I think as LAFC grooms Moon behind him, you might see them try and make a move eventually. Uh, Again, I don't like when LAFC moves on, you know, young American players who aren't around for a lot of money. I think that's one of the ways that you can kind of game the the uh, the salary cap in MLS and the roster restrictions. But then again, I I want to see young Americans climb the ladder. Do I think Tristan Blackman is going to go to Europe and uh, start playing for, you know, a top, you know, a, a top club in one of the top five leagues? No, I don't. But I do think that he could eventually get a move somewhere. Uh, maybe that's within MLS. Or he could be a guy that you build around for years to come, especially if you've got Mario there, who, as we've talked about, is an older player and may not necessarily be looking to jump to a huge club, but will just be happy riding out his career uh, in a comfortable situation. Uh, who do I think will struggle? I think it's Janela the struggles this year. And as everybody knows, I am a Janela fan and apologist, but I don't know where he fits in this midfield anymore because we've talked about him. Uh, he's not a, he's not really a pure defensive midfielder. He's a good regista, but he's not a ball winner. Um, he's not going to be super active in the press and he, he's, to me, every time I watch him, I say, that guy's an eight. He's an eight. He's an eight. He's an eight. But the more that I watch this team, the less I see them using a traditional eight. And it is more of, uh, you know, a, an eight or a 10 that, that presses a lot. Um, so I, I don't, I just don't know how he fits, to be totally honest with everybody. 
Um, anything on those two players, Josh, before we move on? No, I think you're spot on in Janela. I mean, I, he hit a ball the other day where he flicked it over the top and it just right into the, I think he was on the last goal where he, he had actually had a touch that, you know, you're like, okay, that that's a nice pass. And you have, he has good ideas. I just wonder if he has ultimately the physicality, you know, or the physical attributes to be able to kind of sink into, you know, whatever role he comes into. Cause I think they pegged him as the guy that's hopefully going to replace that Tuesta when he yeah. moves on. But I just don't see, I see the creative ideas. I see the passing. I just don't see the edge and the ability to win the ball back and, and some yeah. of those things. So that again, there's his lateral quickness is, is, is it suspect? So that's kind of the next thing too, where again, he's okay getting up and down the field in a straight line, but his ability to move side to side and then cover ground um, from the six, again, I'm not so sure he's going to be able to do it in a single pivot. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he's just, uh, his technical ability on the ball is probably in the midfield, at least second, probably only to Atuesta in terms of like ball security and, and his passing ability. But it, when it comes to athleticism, when it comes to one-on-one defending, when it comes to activity in the press, it's just, it's just not there like it is with the other guys. So um, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of the technical ability um, and, and just enjoy what the other guys bring, uh, instead of him. And as we've talked about, if K is the fourth midfielder on this team, or if it's Cifuentes, that's the fourth midfielder, then, you know, Janela's not getting past either one of them really, um, until he can figure out the defensive, the defensive side. All right. Last question here. Josh is from Al Hopkins at Culver city. Al, I love this question. Did Cisniega really impress, or was it just two good saves? Is his kickball up the field better for the team than to try and pass out back? I'm going to jump on this one real quick, Josh, because I have a few things that I noticed uh, about this. And as you know, this is kind of my hobby horse when it comes to uh, possession-based teams. Um, I thought Cisniega's saves were brilliant, and I thought it was right in line with what we've seen from him before. His shot-stopping ability is superb. Uh, and I, I feel like that's something that we've seen time and time again throughout the last year, you know, however long he's been with the team now. Um, his kickball up the field still worries me. Uh, and one thing that I noticed is on goal kicks, Cisniega would put the ball, you know, somewhere near the middle of the of the six. And then Segura would stand right next to him. And you'd have Mario out near the top of the eighteen. Um, generally when I see this, it's be, it means that that guy can't pass, right? So they don't trust Cisniega to be able to hit the, the pass initially. Um, whether that's to one of the center backs or out to a fullback or, you know, pot, potentially into the midfield, they're looking at Segura to do the distribution on the goal kick. You know, they'll just tap it away real quick and boom. Now, now Segura has him. We're off and running. And Austin, picked up on this real quick and just put three on the 18. So now it's, as Al says, it's just kickball. It's just Cisniega sending the ball up long uh, into a 50-50. There's two ways to look at this. One is that 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 tactic is really bad for a team that wants to build out of the back and possess the ball. The other one is if you're a very good counter-pressing team, you can send the ball up high and then you can counter press the loose ball. So even if you're not confident in your ability to bring down the long ball and you think Austin or whoever the opponent is going to be can pick it up, it's your ability to then immediately key on where that ball is and hunt in a pack and counter press that ball so that now you've, you've created a, a counter, essentially a counterattacking opportunity from what started as your possession. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, especially with Latif and Apoku on the field, I am perfectly okay with you just kicking the ball over the top because those guys are going to, like, that's their specialty, right? Is to win the ball back up high, yeah. create turnovers. And I think that's almost, if I have to go back and see what happened exactly right before the, the last goal, but it was something similar, right? It's like, 
turnover, those guys win the ball back, create a chance, right? And if if you're not ultimately 100% confident in Cisniego's ability to distribute, but at the same time you're also 100% confident in his ability to stop shots, I think given the other talent on this team, I'm okay with just sending the ball over the top and playing a little bit differently and then in and a trade and having that trade off for him not, you know, just making big stops when it really matters. Right? Because I think those saves are going to win games. Right? I mean, yeah. to be fair, I think he potentially saved this game a couple of the times, a couple of yeah. times. Um, yeah. But at the same time, right, against other teams that are a little bit less, le- you know, that aren't going to press high, that are a little less tactically sa- uh, savvy, that are just looking to sit back again, like the Minnesotas of the world, right? Can can he do enough from a possession standpoint to move, to get the defense to shift in a way that's going to be beneficial to our offense? That, again, remains to be seen. In a game like this, you're okay with it. You know, in a game, even against an LA Galaxy team, right? You're probably okay with him just sending it, right? Because you're confident that you can probably win that back, that ball back, you know, from their defense or from the midfield, you know, because you have, you feel like you have advantages there. But, Again, some of these teams that are going to be sit back a little bit more and aren't really going to give you much space to operate. Um, again, like I, he's not he's not the weapon that we need him to be in that sense yet. You know, again, I think he brings something to the table, but he's definitely not complete. Um, but are we okay with it for now? Sure, because again, I mean, he had a shutout and and had some big saves in this game, so. You know, said so you're okay with at least that because he's not giving away stupid goals. Yeah, I mean that that was the big frustration with Miller, right? Is Miller just be caught off his line all the time, uh, and then anytime you came up against Galaxy, it was uh, deer in the headlights, right? Um, Vermeer would make questionable decisions coming off the line as well, and I don't think he was near as good with his feet as we thought he was going to be coming from Ajax. Um, and I don't know, for me, we always talk about this, right? The goalie is there to be the guy that can use his hands. Um, so as much as it pains me to say this as a guy who, uh, has, I like, I have all my goalkeepers train, you know, 75% of the time with the rest of the team, because I want them to be good with their feet. Um, that's the number one priority is can they stop the ball? from going in the back of the net. And Cisniega has shown time and time again that that is his forte. And, you know, LAFC hopefully are just going to live with that and keep the keep the man back there. I think if you can have a consistent back four and a consistent keeper, it will mean the world to this team in terms of, of having a steady defense. And like you said, we'll live with, you know, we'll live with the passing mistakes or, or the long balls that we then have to counter press and try and win back. It's not ideal, but, uh, who, I think it was MacArthur who used to say, you go to war with the army that you've got. Um, and this is the army that we've got, right? Uh, so let's make it happen. Yeah. I mean, um, let's, I mean, when you think about the, the grand scope of things, right, there's about three keepers in the world, right. That you, that are essentially midfielders at times, right? You have Neuer, Allison, and and um, Terstegen, Terstegen, and then and then Ederson, right? Yeah, from yeah. from City, right? Like, but that's it. And there's not too mm-hmm. many guys that are that are going to give you everything, right? Like they, they can give you this the distribution, but they can also give you the shot stopping, right? Right. Like Jan Oblak from Atletico, right? He's an amazing stopper, <laughs> shopper, but I don't I don't think he's the greatest distributor in the world. But he's still one of no. the best in the world. So, again, yeah. for, for but I mean, also Atletico don't play like that, right? So they're they're fine. They're fine with that. Yeah, you know. But yeah. again, given the situation, you know, and and given the demoralizing goals that we've given up because of mistakes, right, right. I'm going to take a guy that's going to let the ball in the in the, in the net a lot less, you know, or or is going to prevent, you know, is going to come up with a big save to prevent. You know, that just gives you that extra boost to now press a little bit harder, right? Because I think that's what yeah. you saw, right? He Cisnia comes with a big save, and next thing you know, Blessing and Apoku are just terrorizing people because that that the letdown for the 
you know, for the opposition, and then now the boost you get in confidence that you can push as hard and as far, high, high as you want, and you know that Cisnig is going to make a play for you, right? Yeah. You know, you're you're not thinking, you know, you you know, you can you can play with reckless abandon comparatively to when you're worried about what's going on back there. You know, you're definitely going to take a lot less chances, right? And this yeah. team is one that is built on creating chances and taking risks not one that is going to sit back and, you know, and play, you know, and be a lot less and, and be more risk averse. Right. Right. All right, man. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Anything, any parting shots that you want to get out there? No. Um, for those that still want it, make sure you send me a DM on Twitter, LFC Josh for the, um, what's it called? The uh, Asian American, Pacific Islander scarves um, for next yes. month. Um, those will be coming. We we should be getting the shipping in soon. Um, thank you to everyone who's already pre-reserved one. And then we have um, uh, a fair amount left. But again, make sure you get at me because they they did go quick, and that's before we've even pr- you know shown an actual um, an actual printed scarf. So once those ones will probably go quick once they. Yeah. Once they can become available, but yeah, send it's me a message. Do some giveaways too, huh? Yeah, for sure. We'll I have mean, a couple. That, yeah, we'll have a couple available for for listeners as well as followers on Twitter. So keep an eye out for those. Um, and yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Josh, for joining me tonight. You can follow the show at Counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. All right. Um, LAFC is taking on. Who do we have this week? Seattle. I've forgotten who we... Ah, yes. And that's on Saturday. Do I remember that correctly? Yes. All right. So we hope to talk to you again on Saturday after a Seattle win. I mean, an LAFC win over Seattle, of course. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you all then. Good night.